Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney, over there Steve. Happy New Year! That's right, it is now the first episode of 2021. And we are recording in the present day rather than in the past. Right. And uh, starting out the new year by uh, hitting the books again. Uh, Today we are talking The Master... Of the Five Magics by Lyndon Hardy. Lyndon Hardy. There you go. Yes. Now, you turned me on to this book, so give all of our audience at home a little bit of background. <laughs> okay. I mean, this is, uh, apparently this is this guy's first book. And the whole premise of him writing this book was that uh, he read a lot of science fiction Mm-hmm. where everything was uh, explainable, right? Right. Like, even, even the fantastic elements like warp drives, or jump drives, or anything, lasers, all that shit, had some sort of in-world context mm-hmm. that um, people can make sense of. But he realized that there was a serious lack of this in fantasy novels. Magic work because magic. Right. And so he decided to write a uh, fantasy novel where magic had rules. So it's like hard fantasy. Hard fantasy. And that's not like a. You would think fantasy. you would think that would actually be like soft fantasy in that case, since magic works because magic seems like it'd be hard fantasy. <laughs> well, <laughs> anyway, all Pornhub references aside. Uh, he wrote Master of Five Magics, right? Which is the Min Maxer's wet dream. Yes this this book is is a five hundred pages of a dissertation not- on the on multi classing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that long, but yeah, um, you have to be a little forgiving when reading this book because it is his first book. Um, now, what year was this originally published? Uh, that's a good question. I because read it in 1984 I th- or 1982. Okay, I think it was so, 1980 then was the original so, copyright. Uh, yeah, so what, to be fair, we read the second edition, mm-hmm. uh, which is a lot more recent and expanded. Right, right. It's almost like um, he got the rights back and self-published. The, uh, I uh, think that's exactly what happened. The uh, the like his original manuscript. I think that's exactly what happened because I get. Well, I went on his um, his blog to do a little bit of research, Lyndon Hardy's blog, and uh, he has these like word puzzles on there, mm-hmm. like little riddles. So I was looking through them, and it said, "Well, it's an appear if you want the answers." So I wanted to see if I was right or not. So I signed up. Now I get email from from him, and it's from him. It's not from a publisher, right? Um, about you know sales on his on his novels and stuff. So the, the, apparently, I've read two of two of his books. I've read this one and it, the sequel, The Secret of the Six Magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, there are four now four novels in this series, and he's written some other stuff too. Ah, excellent. Uh, but I think. He retains his day job as a scientist. Excellent. Now, 
this book, the overall plot of the book is you have this fellow named Aladar, uh, who is the son of a um, deposed noble. Deposed, uh, yeah, noble. I can speak English. Yeah, a deposed noble's son. Uh, He has been wandering around from job to job. He's he's really sharp kind of guy. Uh, He's one of those people that you know. Who, no matter what they do, they're good at everything. But they get bored really quickly. Right. They get bored really quickly, and they bounce to the next thing, and they fucking excel at that. And then by the time everyone's realized how good they are at that one thing, they're on to the next thing. Right. He's a jack of all trades. Quite literally. Um, one of the early, in the early chapters, they're talking about you know him bouncing around and how he became like an expert sheep farmer in a summer. <laughs> right. But, but he, and self-admittedly, he says that he um, tries something until he gets what he wants from it mm-hmm. and then moves on to the next thing. Right. Right. And that kind of sets the tone for the entire book, except right. for the fact that he discovers what he wants, quote unquote, and pursues that using his own particular set of uh, predispositions. <laughs> right. So, um, the land, which is, is we'll come back to the, to the setting in a little bit, mm-hmm. but the land is being, uh, is in the middle of a rebellion and some of the noble families are rebelling against the queen. Mm-hmm. And it starts out with, where Aladar is a an apprenticed uh, thermaturgist. Mm-hmm. What is a thermaturgist, you ask? Well, in uh, in MMO terms, it's the healer. So a thermaturgy thermaturgy is the magic of basically as above, so below. Right. Uh, you what affects something can also affect something else that has a relationship to it. And the stronger the relationship, the better the magic. Mm-hmm. So his, his real first act is to uh, spy on the enemy's positions by uh, raising a, a, a balloon, more or less, using a sliver of the basket right? Um, as to, to move the, the real basket around so he can spy out the land. It's that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. takes great amounts of energy to do. So you have to have somebody working a flywheel or heating water or something like that. And the energy from that is transferred to the magical link. Right. So he, and, but he's not a master thermaturgist. He's, he's an apprentice the guy, right? He's the guy who spins the wheel. <laughs> right. Right. He gets promoted in the first chapter to journeyman uh, because he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. You're good enough to be a journeyman. Um, right. But no, I want to be a master. But thermaturgy, uh, considered the lowest of the five magics, really is a tradescraft um, similar to carpentry or uh, being a Wainwright or something where you actually have a trade mm. and it is thermaturgy um kind of like in if, if anybody's ever watched or read full medical full metal alchemist when uh when they go into liore and they break that radio and they 
use alchemy to rebuild the radio. That's kind of what thermaturgy is. Right. And, and yeah, these guys, you know, their, their job is uh, they go from town to town doing these little odds and ends type of thaumaturgical uh, spells to uh, make some cash. Right. You know, it was like, oh, we're going to heal some boil. You're going to heal your boils, fix a wound, um, do this, do that, whatever it get happens. Get your cat to out of a tree. Get your cat out of a tree. You know, they, they basically get wander from town to town using magic to solve little problems and getting paid. Um, right. And the master says, you know what? We need to make more. So he tags along with the queen's entourage. All of her hangers on um, right. to get a job. And it ends up, uh, little do they know, they end up at this fortress called the Iron Fist in the middle of a siege. Yeah, they get caught up in the siege from the, at the beginning of this rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, and you come to find out that the queen is has uh, done some political maneuvering that has put her in a bad position. Right. Uh, so the, the coffers are empty. Um, people are unsatisfied. There's grumblings about. And the queen is actually in a very vulnerable position, not only uh, militarily, but also politically. Mm-hmm. And she is looking for uh, suitors, I guess. Uh, heroes of the realm who will help her out and in doing so become her consort. Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate prize because apparently the queen is just like super hot. Yes. And yeah, that's, that's the prize. Um, and she gets all of these guys who are constantly trying to impress her, trying to be the hero and, and all of this stuff to impress her and become one of the suitors. And she's okay with this competition for suitors because it's really, it's good PR. It's good PR, and she gets free labor. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, all of these guys are out there. Um, we've, we meet suitor number one, uh, who is, I, I forget what his name is because he's a fucking dick. Uh, he's, well, a, he's a soldier. He's a soldier. One of the noble families. He becomes the first suitor through an act of daring do on the well, wall. Well, kind of. He becomes... He kind of becomes this first suitor because, and this is kind of the pattern for the book. So we'll go into my big complaint about the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's very formulaic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so every time Aladar goes to the next bit of magic, because that's the whole story. So he hops from um, magic to magic. Right. Uh, from learning his craft so he can become a suitor. That's his goal. Just right. up front, he wants to become a suitor because he wants his family's uh, to be restored, his family's name. Mm-hmm. And every time he he does something spectacular, right? It is his achievement is undermined by uh, the antagonist for that section, right? And they become the suitor. Mm-hmm. It's a little too predictable. <laughs> If there's not, I mean, I, I, I get it. It sets it, it sets everything up very nicely. Right. Um, at, at the end. Right. It's um, very episodic in the way it's written. 
yes, but getting there, it's a little painful. And it's not painful because, oh, no, here he did all this work, and here comes this guy who's stealing his glory. It's painful because you just know it. When even even having read this before, when you get to the second part, you know it's going to happen. He's going to, like, it's all set up at the beginning. He's going to learn alchemy and make this big achievement. And then the guy who fucked with him in the beginning is going to take it all away from him. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, that's a pattern of the book and it gets a little old. I just wish there was, there could have been a more subtle way of um, conveying that. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I agree that um, when, when, Things start getting interesting in each particular section as he's learning a discipline. Suddenly it turns around and we're back to that. Um, oh, I'm pining away to become the for the hand of the queen. Right. Sort of exactly. thing. And that's what that's what truly motivates me. You know, even though the that section, three quarters of the section, he's got other motivations. He's actually thrown himself fully into that craft. Right. And and I think the, the individual sections, like what goes on in them, mm-hmm. the plot, um, is really cool. Right. Um, and, and how he applies his previous experience to his new discipline is really innovative as well. Um, and, and that's, I guess that's the, the saving grace of Aladar as a character. Right, how he's how he's clever enough to like start blending the different schools' magic together to get where he wants in yes. in, in the next one, mm-hmm. and and he learns from his mistakes. He he rarely makes the same mistake twice, right? It's, except for the ultimate mistake of letting somebody um, take his glory from it, right? And now you cannot have a, a, a novel. Uh, where the the primary plot is winning the hand of the queen without there being a triangle. Um, and Aladar is is no exception. He has his own triangle, and the queen has kind of this, like, love polyhedron thing going on. <laughs> she has an eight-sided die. Uh, and there is a second uh, love interest for Aladar, and that is the Lady Ariel who actually, throughout the entire book, from the point they meet, actually appreciates the shit that he's doing. Yes. And and, and it's, it's unfortunate that it was written the way it was because without a primary antagonist, and there really is no real primary antagonist, at the end they kind of slap one in there. Right. Uh, but it's... But, you know nothing about this character until the end. It's mm-hmm. all like, it's it just kind of like, okay, here's a demon prince. Right. Uh, and we'll give him a name, so that's your antagonist. But it, it, it falls flat. If you had had something like coming, just even like little glimpses of it, so you, so you had something that he was striving against like a big evil instead of just oh i'm trying to win the hand of the princess and the political situation is just going downhill every chapter oh yeah and by the way there's a war going on 
Yeah, exactly. So you, you don't get reports. It would be great if there were reports and you get a build up to what is happening with this war instead of an information dump at the end. Right, right. Which no is what you end up getting. Um, mm-hmm. So you're not really invested in this ultimate conflict that ends up happening at all. You're invested in, is he going to win the hand of the queen or not? Right. Right. Or or is it going to be the queen or is it going to be Ariel? Is it right. the blonde or the redhead? Right. The, the lady <laughs> or the tiger. Right. And and yeah, the, the female characters in this book are pretty stereotypical. It's the, the sexy blonde queen who's a little bit you know, out of our main character's league in the first place. Yeah, at least she's not, at least she's not a dumbass, though. <laughs> right, she's not a dumbass, but she's still that out-of-the-league, you know, the cheerleader type, you know, that all men are trying to go after. And then right. you have the accessible, capable, feisty one, who's right. actually the, the power behind the throne because she's doing all the fucking work. And the one you're rooting for him to get with anyway. Right. I would say my other big complaint with this book is Aladar as a character is very flat and one-dimensional, and the people that surround him, the secondary characters, are often more interesting than he is. Um, I don't really know if there are any characters in this who have three dimensions. Right. I mean, they're all fantasy tropes. Of course, but it seems to me that a lot of the characters, with the exception of the Wizards College or the the magic, the magicians school, uh, all of those characters are dull and boring as shit. Well, they're all the same guy with different motivations. Right, right. But you know, it's like you may you meet the the master at arms because you know Alador. Of course, it's a fantasy novel. Everyone, no matter what, how good of a wizard or magic user you are. You have to pick up a level in fighter. <laughs> and and we meet Cedric. And Cedric seems to be a lot more interesting of a character being he's old. And, and you know, he's, he's pretty typical of the old soldier. You know, I really don't care about the machinations of the court type of thing. But also at once he still seems more interesting. And the old alchemist that he works with. Um, his thaumaturgy master, and and once we get to the final chapter, the the wizard um, seems oh, more interesting than yeah, the sorcerer. Yeah, the the, the old, perverted the sorcerer, perv, the old perv sorcerer. Yep. Yeah, and yeah, he he meets all of these interesting teachers. You know, each chat section of the book is the hero's journey encapsulated over the course of a long six book long hero's journey right it's and and and, it, and you're right it does get a little repetitive because it is the same formula exactly um and it really isn't until the end where you get what the conflict of the whole book is mm-hmm. uh, which is which is um I guess it's kind of of unsatisfying. I would I would have hoped because, like I said, I read this um, when I was in eighty two, so middle school. Mm -hmm. Um, Telling everybody how old you are. 
Yeah, well, everybody should know that by now. <laughs> Get out from my lawn! Actually, no, that might have been the beginning of high school. Well, whatever. That's yeah, right before high school. It Maybe is it was formative years. And anyway, it was it was way back a long time ago. Um, in the ancient days before the plague, that if he had the chance to rework this book, he could have um, reworked it so that it was structured better. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, right? Um, and I think that's a missed opportunity because. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't remember a damn thing about Secret of the Six Magic. Right. Um, and I barely remember this book. <laughs> and I'll tell you the reason why I do remember this book is because of uh, Megadeth. <laughs> <laughs> because I did listen to I, that song. I, I listened to a lot of Megadeth. Unlike you, I like that song. So every time I hear that song, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's that book, Master of the Five Magics. That was a pretty cool book. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's been, like, on my mind. Like, not at the forefront, but, you know, listening to it, that. It's there. It's there. It pops up, right. It's it's in my view. And I would think that you would he could have reworked it and... Um, come up with like a truly great book of fantasy literature because the concept's really cool mm-hmm. and the story um, you know the story not like how it's executed is a pretty cool story right? Right. Yeah the uh, idea. It, it's like a, a, a good 80s um, fantasy novel mm-hmm. and, and, and I can't stress this enough it doesn't rip off J.R.R. Tolkien Right, <laughs> so, and it it doesn't it doesn't really uh, play too much into the Robert E. Howard or uh, or no, uh, Clark pretty, Ashton Smith either. It's pretty. It's fairly unique um, in terms of what it is. Uh, so he could have taken a pretty good book that um, that nostalgically I'm probably thinking it's better than it is and turned it into a truly great book. Right. Right. But instead he, he just expanded it. I think he added a little bit more to Aladar's backstory mm-hmm. and he might've changed the end a little bit. Right. To, to lengthen it. <laughs> I will say um, the final battle, because uh, anytime you have a book where there's a war going on, be it uh, Lord of the Rings or Legend or any of that stuff, um, you always have to have the the final you know military conflict. Mm-hmm. I did think I did think his use of everything he had learned prior uh, was really clever. How he was using yeah. different magical disciplines to uh, gain an advantage. Uh, I agree. Uh, and you know, illusion—the the art of illusion being holographic—was uh, really interesting as well. Right. The unique, I guess. Yes, the sorcery. So, I guess we should talk about really quickly what the five magics are. Okay. And we've talked about thermaturgy. Thermaturgy. Uh, the second one is alchemy. Right. Now, what about what about now? This is one of the things you did to like try to sell me on this book couple weeks ago when we were trying to determine 
uh, what to record. Uh, and you mentioned that alchemy, because it's such an imprecise science, and you might mix up a potion and three out of ten would actually be what you want, that they do this in like mass production where where the yes. recipes are like, you know, you make a batch of cookies for like two people. Well, you just quadruple the recipe and you've got cookies for eight people. And they do that basic thing with alchemy and they, they have these big factories where potions are made on an assembly line. Yeah, and- because because basically alchemy, the way alchemy works is you combine ingredients and uh, there's a set percentage of, of the formula that will work. Mm-hmm. So it's and so you just do it by the if you do it in great numbers, um, and the percentage is sixty percent, and you do a hundred of them, well, six are sixty are going to come out, and then uh, and then they have to do the process. So you've made the first ingredient to the ultimate formula. Then you have to alter that ingredient, and there's going to be even less of a uh, percentage mm-hmm. that actually work out. So let's say that one would be forty five. So out of out of those 60, 45% of those, so out of the original 100, you have even less and less until at the very end, you come up with one or two. Right. Which is which why you, they do it in huge numbers so they can sell it. Mm-hmm. Right. For exorbitant amounts of money. And and the problem, the problem being is they can only do uh, a certain formula that are proven to make money that people mm. want. So you right. have supply and demand factoring in on it and you have uh, just the, the numbers, the sheer percentages of what's, what's cost effective to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and where this comes into the story is Alandar has found a formula, but nobody wants to take a chance on it because um, it's new formula are just not cost effective. Right. Right. So he takes it to a, a craft alchemist. Right. <laughs> I mix his own IPA. Right. Now, apparently, you know, judging by what I read, they go through this whole explanation of, you know, 30% of the time it works 100% of the time. But later on in the book, uh, it see, he whips up shit like, you know, out of nothing, you know, out of what he finds laying around and it always works. So there must right. be some recipes that work 100% of the time, 100% of the time. I think the things like that he was soap. making, though, I think the things he was making, like, uh, what was it, sweet basil or whatever. Uh, sweet balm. Sweet I think, balm. Yeah. I think that's, like, a fairly simple thing. So and obviously, the more steps you take to make something, the less you're going to get. Right, right. As, as um, the ingredient percentages whittle down. Uh, so that that's the alchemy. Uh, the next one is magic, magic, right. magic, right? Which is basically enchanting objects, right? Or, or to, to use kind of the parlance of the book, it's more of a ritual magic, right? So, um, and basically, what you're doing is you're making magic swords, right? Magic, whatever. <laughs> Every right. magical item you come across in the dungeon is manufactured at this wizard's academy, so or magician's academy, right. um, somewhere. And everything is so fucking precise. It's the anal. 
<laughs> it's the anal practice of, of uh, magic. I, I love uh, the the introduction of of how magic works, and they have this big complex pomp and circumstance ritual that they invite all of the initiates and novices and stuff to watch. Is the you know, all of this stuff happens, and the guy strikes the ring one time, and then it's yeah. over because you can only hammer it at a specific moment. Right. Under a very specific set of circumstances. Right. Very very similar to like Call of Cthulhu kind of stuff where Mm -hmm. you wait for the stars to align. Uh, But in this case, uh, you know, it's like OCD magic. (laughs) Everybody takes three steps to the left, chants a high B, um, wheels the magic sign with their fingers, and then somebody hits a bell. Right. Right. But and, you have and, to do this in the presence of wait. wyverns in heat on a full moon. Thirty years to do the next step. Right. Next thirty in the next time in thirty years, uh, he'll be able to work on the inside of the ring. Yes. Everybody and it's it is fucking exciting as shit because it so far this one ring, magic ring, has been taken has taken like what like a hundred years or something like that to make this one magic item. A right, ring of magic missiles they, or something. But once they complete the, the item, uh, it'll sell for a zillion gold or whatever the currency is. And right. they'll be set. Uh, the, the the wizard's ashram or the magician's ashram will be set until the next time they have to make something big. Right, right. It's like we're still running on, the, on these magic boots we made 300 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, look, guys. Treasure those plus one rings of protection that they're just laying around in the dungeon, because those <laughs> things those things took like seven hundred years to make. That's why it costs so much. That's why it costs so much. All so, right, so yeah, you got magic, ritual magic, and then after that, you have sorcery. Sorcery. Now, sorcery in in the context of uh, Master of the Five Magics is kind of like mentalism. It is illusion, uh, mind control. It's what you would call psionics at D&D. Yeah, kind of psionics or... Um, uh, shit, evocation, maybe? Yeah, so basically the sorcerer um, has, a, has these formulas, and they recite them three times, and each time they recite it, it gets harder and harder to recite. Mm-hmm. Uh, your your body rebels against it, right? Because uh, unlike unlike um, ritual magic, which you know has to have some type of cosmic universal point, or alchemy, which has to have exact formulas, or even thaumaturgy, which you draw the energy to do the working from some other form of energy, whether it's heat or motion or something like that. Sorcery sucks directly out of your life force. Yeah. So, of course, your body rebels against it. Mm-hmm. And you have to maintain eye contact. <laughs> right. Right. Um, now, so everyone is afraid of sorcery because sorcerers are, they can control your mind. They can make you do anything. Right. They can make you do anything. They can make you see whatever they want you to see. They can make you um, impervious to pain. You can do a berserker spell. They they could basically make you unable to 
die. Well, right. not unable to die, but pretty hard to kill because your body basically has just shut everything down. So you keep on going. Right. And so um, it's a feared sign. It's a feared art because of it can take away your fucking will um, right. with a glance. Now, the interesting part about um, sorcery in this book was the master of sorcery that Aladar works with uh, is an old sorcerer who's at the end of his career. Mm -hmm. And he, so he has just a limited amount of life force left and he sells his, um, his spells um, for looking at women's panties, basically. Yep. He's, he's like, he's like master Roshi. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, you know, and, you know, he explains it like, you know, I used to strut around and get whatever I wanted. And then, you know, my life force, I realized my days are numbered. Right. So now I sell it for what I like the most. And now I now I show uh, do tarot card readings to, to, to see a lady of the court's ankles. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So, and, and I can see where you say he's an interesting character because he is kind of an interesting character, right? Yeah, he's definitely a pervert, and and he is uh, he's really into the redhead too. <laughs> yes, um, he she is just also like laughs his ass off every time. She's like, yeah. whatever. Right. Yes, he likes to tweak the serving maids. Yep. <laughs> Cackling around. Wouldn't you uh, like one of my illusions if you just pop out a breast? Right. So, yeah. The, the one time he you get to see what he does is uh, they have this thing called farcing, mm -hmm. where they can um, have their the their client, I guess, see uh, what they want to see, and the the woman she's a maid wants to see how her um, fiance is doing in the war. Um, and he shows her a few minutes of him around a campfire doing nothing. Right. And and to him, like, he just, like, um, you know, gave away an hour of his life. Right. I just gave away and, an hour of my life force. And you just pick me on the cheek. So uh, it, it's an interesting concept. Very, very 80s. Yes. <laughs> and in fact, out? in fact, you know, <laughs> we always... One of the other recurring tropes, other than thaumaturgy, is how Aladar goes up to the master. He tries, he's like, come on, guy, teach me. Teach me something. And he's like, no, I'm not going to teach you shit. And, you know, and the court sorcerer is like, uh, dude, you're like not female enough and not hot enough for me to even <laughs> right. waste my time with you. Right. Oh, if only Pierce Anthony could write such great perversion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this guy, this guy's a fucking pervert. He is, but but he's like, so he doesn't really do anything. He doesn't really act upon his perversions. He's like kind of a harmless old perv, right? Right. He's like Jiraiya. He's like a Wesley Young character. Well, Wesley's done. Wesley's had his characters do some proven shit, right? He's like the, like he's like a younger. Right. He plays a younger version of this character, right? You know, back when he was uh, energetic enough to actually act on on his uh, baser impulses, right? 
And finally, we have wizardry, mm -hmm. which is basically the control of summon demons. Right. And unlike a lot of the other masters in this book, the wizard's like, uh, yeah, dude, grab my shit. We going to work. <laughs> so wizardry really um, is nothing. Anyone could kind of do it. Right. Uh, the, the lore of the magic is learning what to burn to bring forth different demons. Right, and the rest of it is being a Green Lantern. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so you, you enter a contest of wills with the demon in question. And if you are, if you win the contest, the demon is yours and vice versa. Right. So, yeah, and you really can't teach that. Right, it's something that you got to learn by doing, and basically, he's like, uh, "Yeah, you got to learn wizardry." Um, yeah, we'll start right now. Uh, here's your campfire. Summon a summon a demon real quick. Right, <laughs> and and that's basically what he does. Is he he says the only way you're going to save everybody is to summon the biggest demon of them all and overcome his will. Oh yeah, that's the big spoiler at the end. Is that we find out that the wizard that's teaching him wizardry is like one of the old wizards. He's like a Gandalf type who's been slumbering for eons. And well, you come, to, you come to find out that the whole plot is controlled by like this, this, I guess the old wizards predicted that the demons, by the way, it's demons who are right. controlling the rebellion, right. which you don't find out until the end. It's it, it, it just like, okay, it's demons. Right. Right, and the wizard's like, oh, by the way, uh, it's a good thing that uh, your boy Aladar ran across me because uh, your enemies down to the south there and to the west and all this stuff that you guys thought was just like wacky shit happening, uh, it's demons. And we knew about this like thousands of years ago. So we set into motion a series of events that would, we that would cul culminate in having a person capable of utilizing all five magics in tandem right. to fight the demon. Um, the demon and, and, yeah. and really, it was just his will they needed. And I guess you just needed the will to be able to do all that shit. Mm -hmm. The ultimate will. But it was also like, you know, all of this was set into motion. You know, we designed everything, all these traps... And, and puzzles that Aladar had to solve were all these wizards fucking playing Dungeon Master and carefully laying the seeds for someone who's clever enough to figure it out, except right. for he didn't put all the pieces together. And he's like, uh, yes, the person who can master all five of the magics. And Aladar's like, I'm not really a master of anything. He's like, you'll have to do. Right. <laughs> You're the right. best we got, bud. It's Avatar, the last five, fifth master of magics. Right. <laughs> and that was that that I thought was kind of funny because it was like, you know, he was talking about the grand plot, like it was gonna actually be a person who went through life and mastered all five of the magics. Um to, to and realized they had the supreme will and he's like, uh well, we can bend the rules a little bit. You got all the qualities a master should have. <laughs> yeah. um, you don't necessarily have... You didn't put the points in the skills, uh, but you got the raw stats. So, 
Yeah, you'll you'll have to do. And uh, by the way, you're gonna have to summon and control the most powerful demon we can find. Right. <laughs> Rookie. <laughs> That's right. So yeah. And he's like, well, why don't you do it? Oh, I'm not good enough. I'm a master wizard, and I'm not good enough to do this. So, yeah, rookie, you got this. Well, that's why we, we wanted it to be somebody who knew a little bit of everything. That's right. That's right. And I, I love he tells the he, basically, Aladar tells the wizard the, the whole novel over dinner one night, basically. Right. And, <laughs> And the wizard's like, yeah, that must be our guy. Uh, I wish he had picked up a few more levels, but uh, you you get what you pay for. (laughs) And that's exactly it. Uh, So they actually probably got lucky that Aladar was the one to uh, take up this quest because nobody else would have uh, made it past Sorcery, mm-hmm. or not sorcery, um, alchemy. Yep. Well, had, had he not figured out the thaumaturgical puzzle, he wouldn't have found the formula to go to alchemy. Right. And that's the thing, is the way it's all set up, is how could he have become a master of anything? That's true. Uh, because the way they have it set up is at the end of each chapter, they they discover something new that, that brings them to the next uh, discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all culminates at the wizard's um, tomb. Right. And if you're following the trail, which is exactly what Aladar did. Right. Uh, you can't master them all. Right, because it takes years and years and years and years and years to master them all. So really, right. it's probably... It's probably not so much as, well, you're the best we got. It's like, well, you have all the qualities that we're looking right. for. And and, and it's the qualities are more important than the actual skills. All these other jokers since the, in the, the early days, you know, have been focused. Almost like part of the discipline has been lost through the specialization in each, fi- each of the five schools. That, you know, well, everybody strives to master the one that they're taught and it takes so fucking long. Right. And really what he needed was somebody with a, just an iron will, mm-hmm. someone who could focus on a goal and move toward that goal, no matter what. Cause honestly, that's what um, allows him to persevere in the end, both in his quest for his personal quest for the hand of the fair lady as they call her, as well as against uh, the demon prince. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really just being fucking stubborn. Right, right. Stubbornness, determination, the ability to just march on regardless. And and he does. He does have that kind of iron will that you, you and you see it demonstrated throughout the entire book. You know, he gets beat up by the sword master or some other dude, and he just keeps getting back up. Uh, yep. Shit blows up in his face. He keeps getting back up. Um, right. You know, he makes because he up, has a goal. Right. He descends into the heart of a volcano. Um, 
even though his alchemical protection is wearing off, he just keeps going. And and that's what that's what they want is they want a guy who's you know, it doesn't matter what the demon does to him, what the what terrors and pleasures he's shown, he just will keep going. Right. So he's like the the he's like he's like I said, he's basically a Green Lantern. Yeah. So after all that, what did you think of this book? Like I said, I thought it was clever how how the different disciplines interplayed, but I could have done without the fucking will they won't they romance, uh, cheesy you know get the hot chick uh, plot that always comes bubbling back around just when things are starting to get interesting, you know, and 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 Aladar undergoes some type of growth or character development. The queen walks into the room and he's like, "Oh my god." That's why I'm that's doing my, all of that's it. That's my goal. My goal. And, and, you know, she she marries Conan, by the way. <laughs> she does. Brack. Brack. Who is obviously, you know, he's they call him Brack, but when they describe Brack, he is clearly Conan. Yes, he is Conan. <laughs> but then who wouldn't? What, marry Conan? Yeah, as opposed to Aladar? Yeah, it's true. Like why? Why? Well, Ariel. But well, yeah, <laughs> Ariel wouldn't. That's right. Yes. Well, it's kind of funny that at the end, when uh, she marries Brack, and the rest of the suitors are like, "We're gonna get her, Eleanor," and he's just kind of like, "Nah, I'm done. Nah, bro, <laughs> <laughs> I'm done." We're going to get her. With your help, we can start a revolution. We can do a coup d'etat and overthrow Brack and all of his barbarians and, right. and get rid of the queen. And then yes. one of us can take over and or you could take over and show us all favor, you know, because, you know, we've been your loyal and steadfast companions. Uh, who else could stab you in the back like us? Right. <laughs> You'll have my money and my sword and my ball of protection. Yes. It's like it just it is funny you said now nah, good. I think I'm gonna actually learn these disciplines. Yeah, I'm gonna actually go and be a master of all the five magics and uh uh and Ariel is like uh no, I don't wanna do that. And for just a moment, you think she's just going to blow his ass off and say, I've waited on you too damn long, boy. And no, I'm I'm off. And he's just like, okay, um, what do you want to do? Well, I want to ride my horse that way. That's that's the end of the book. Is is yes, ma'am. Yeah, that's why I was saying that it could have he could have redone it and made it a little bit more interesting. Yes. Um, just in terms of the story, like the structure of the story and the characterizations. Mm-hmm. Um, nostalgia is a hell of a drug though. I suppose. I, this is the, I've never read this before. This was the first time I've even heard of this book. Um, and now it's, now it's in my mental lexicon of things to uh, reference at random points. There you go. Now every time 
you listen to Megadeth, you're going to go, oh, yeah, that book's there. That book song <laughs> that I hate. <laughs> yeah, how could you hate that song? It's That's terrible. Song. It's just terrible. No, it's, 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 it's a great song. Yeah, I, I guess I guess I'm not a, a huge fan of Megadeth in general. I, I just really don't like Dave Mustaine's voice. So... It's almost like heavy metal Bob Dylan. Although... <laughs> I mean that is that's from uh from uh what uh the it's their the, Hangar the eighteen Yeah, it's the one with Hangar eighteen and everything on it. I mean there's not a bad song on that album. I'll take your word for it. That might be their best album. Um no, there's not a bad song on that. <laughs> uh, another uh, aside Rust, is "Rust in Peace." Rust in Peace. Yeah. Thank you. I had Rust in Peace. Now, you know we we've discussed Megadeth several times, but there's also another major, major uh, thing in pop culture influenced by this book, and that was Richard Garfield. When he created a little card game that nobody knows about called Magic the Gathering, was oh, yeah. heavily influenced by this particular book when designing that game. But not that anybody knows about Magic the Gathering. I mean, that's like so niche. As I don't play that game, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> All right, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, our spoilerific look at Master of the Five Magics. Available on Amazon and Apple and wherever fine ebooks are sold. That's right. Uh, there are typos and there are uh, misplaced quotation marks, but you'll get over it. And until next time, keep 30 luck points. Because that's because... all of magic is. <laughs> oh, well, I was going to say because only two of them are going to actually come through. <laughs>